Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So the other day, I had an experience with some bad news. Can you say bad news? Bad news. I've had one of those days where I just had some bad news. I was out with some friends, and I was eating at a restaurant, and I got a text message from my wife. And the text message said, Tolly, did you go and buy another phone from Sprint? And I said, no. (laughs) She said, well, I just got a receipt. And the receipt says that we bought another phone for $1,100 at the Sprint store. Are you at the Sprint store? Nope. I'm at dinner. And so uh, Christy called and and, uh, contacted Sprint and found out that, sure enough, somebody used my identification this week and uh, went in and and, uh, walked out with a phone. So good for them. And, uh, but it was bad news. You're just sitting there, and what, what goes through your mind? Even as I say that, you're like, oh, no, identity theft, Social Security, and, and, and credit scores, and everything, right? And then it's like, well, then it's like, well, how, how did they get access to my account, and what's going on, and I'm, I'm being robbed. Is there something else I need to worry about? What if they've been doing this, and this is the only one we caught? And so I'm just sitting there in this pool of bad news. And from there, Christy, uh, she contacted Sprint, and they, they went ahead and froze that uh, new line that we didn't have and all this stuff, and they had ported a number from uh, one of my kids, and so we, we got that squared away, got the number back, but then there's a still this big problem. So it's uh, sitting there on the account, and so I go in, and I ended up spending, in grand total, to speed the story up, uh, seven hours of my day fussing with people, um, saying, hey, this isn't right. That did, that it, I didn't give approval. That isn't me. And uh, then I, I got advice, hey, you need to have the police officer come. And so we did. And then the manager didn't want to talk to the police officer and I literally was like, are you kidding me, bro? You just told me you saw what happened last night. <laughs> and uh, so then in front of the cop, I told the guy, I was like, you're acting awful suspect. Mr. Officer, I want to add his name to the charges because he might be his best friend. I don't know who stole, you know. And uh, ultimately, he, he was like, whoa, 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 okay, 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 I'll talk. And uh, so uh, we, we fast forward, and then uh, we got all that straight at the, the store, and the sad thing is, is that uh, they, they, they were able to pull the footage up and they showed me a picture and they were like, do you know this person? I was like, yep. And uh, so, so I was like, uh, press charges, like, let's go. But it's just that feeling. And then, uh, you, then you're, you're, you're talking to them, and they're like, hey, well, we're not going to treat this. You know, it's going to stay on your account, and if you pay it, then when all this gets resolved, we'll give you your money back. 
I was like, are you kidding me? And after a couple of hours of dealing with the same stuff and I'm working my way up the phone tree and I'm getting to like the head of the head of the head of whatever. And I was like, I, you do realize like I'll spend the rest of my life telling people not to have an account with you <laughs> if this is how you treat people. And so, so eventually there, I got enough uh, up the chain and I, sa- I started when they came on the line. I said, is it possible? I said, hi, I'm Frank or whatever his name is. Hi. And I, was like, I said, uh, sir, is it possible someone below you made a bad choice? Before we talk about anything, is it even possible? Because I don't really want to waste anybody's time if you don't even believe it's possible. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's possible. I was like, good, good. Now let's talk. And we walked back through calmly, and ultimately he goes, you know, I see in your history that you've uh, been with us for 17 years. I was like, yeah, maybe not 18. (laughs) But I was like, and you know how a person could just walk in and walk out with $1,100 of merchandise under my name? Because I've been faithful for 17 years. Ultimately, the guy said, listen. I'm going to see what I can do. And I said, sir, if you can go ahead and remove that. I've been dealing with this all day. This situation is making me feel like a second victim. I said, if you can go ahead and remove that, I'll be the happiest customer you've spoken to all week. And he gets off the line and he comes back. Mr. Wilgus, we were able to do that for you. We were able to remove that. You don't worry about a thing. You've done everything right. Uh, by pressing charges and everything. We understand that you had nothing to do with it. You're free. That's good news. So as I sat there in my car, finally dealing with like, and getting to the good news, I just realized, you know what? Had it all just, just, if had it all just been like, oh, there was an, there was an error it got fixed, and it was in 10 seconds. I realized I would not have celebrated the good news as much as I celebrated that good news. I had to live with the weight of the bad news to be able to appreciate the good news. And many people inside of the the realm of Christian faith Many people don't understand the depth of the bad news that Jesus came to relieve us from. And because of that, we don't appreciate the good news because we haven't sat in the bad news. And so when someone just walks into the room and they're like, hey, God's a God of love, he loves you. Cool. My cousin loves me. Brothers love me, sister, my mom. Thanks. I'll add Jesus to the list of people who love me. But that's not life-saving, life-changing faith. That's that's not an understanding of, of why the good news is good. Good news becomes good after we know the bad news. Good news becomes good after we understand the bad news. And many of us, we've got to first understand what is the bad news. Today, I want to talk to you about the gospel of Jesus. The gospel. The gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. Can you say good news? news. 
good news. That's what the gospel means. So whenever you hear somebody in the church world or some pastor say the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospels, when people use that expression, what they're saying is this is the good news proclaimed by God through Jesus Christ. This is the good news of God in Christ. It's the good news, the gospel. As we approach Easter, we're approaching a season where Christians who fully understand the bad news and fully understand the good news are going to be celebrating and saying, you know what, Easter's a big deal. Let's make a big day of it. Why? Because it's the pronunciation of the good news. It's the fulfillment of the good news. It's the the avenue, the way, the path that we have access to God forever in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. But you're not going to understand the good news unless you first understand that there was bad news. Today, I want to walk you through an uh, acrostic that is put together by a group called Life in Six Words. And here's, here's the acrostic. It spells gospel. God, our sin, paying everyone life. God, our sin, paying everyone life. Can you repeat that with me? God, our sin, paying everyone life. And if you can just simply remember that phrase, here's what I promise you, that if you'll take time even this week as we leave here and say, hey, uh, God, our sin, paying everyone life, you're going to be able to be um, triggered in your mind to remember how to walk somebody through the good news of the gospel of God. The good news that Jesus loves them. And not just loves them like in a long line of everybody else. No, no, no. He loved them in a very unique way, a very special way. He loves us in a way that no one else can ever love us. He gives us a kind of love, a type of love, a strength in love that we will never fully understand. The scripture says that God is love. But my friends, I need to tell you, all love is not from God. And so we've got to understand the difference so that we can appreciate and we can give glory and we can give worship and we can celebrate and we can say, I want some of that. Because that is, that is the good news that overcomes all the bad news. God, our sin, paying everyone life. The outline, as I told you, is from lifeinsixwords.com. If you were to go to our uh, website, what you would find if you click on the gospel, if you go to CaptivateTurch.com and you click gospel, there's going to be this video that props up by a rap artist named Propaganda. And it is an accurate, it's walking you through this exact illustration. So today when you leave here and you go and you go, hey, I got somebody in my life that needs to see this or hear this or understand this, then you might not want to text it all out or type it all out, but you could just say, hey, today in church, we walked through this. I thought you might appreciate it. If you, you've been wondering why I go to church, you've been wondering what it's all about. You've been, you've, been, you've been asking me questions. You've been saying, hey, I'm a hypocrite because I was out Friday night, but then I went to church. Let me just go ahead and break it all down. This is what the good news of the gospel is. And if you want more of this, I want you to come back to church with me. And he walks you through God, our sin, paying everyone life. And with each of those lines is a truth about the good news of God. And I'm going to quickly, in the next 15, 20 minutes, walk you through that so that you can have a, a better understanding downloaded. Now listen, some of you, you were shared the gospel by walking through the Romans road. Perfect, beautiful, do it. 
Some of you, things like EE, evangelism explosion. Some of you, somebody walked you through a few uh, different verses and said, hey, but the point is the same for everybody. The point is, is that there is a good news about Jesus coming to live a perfect life, die on the cross, give you a resurrection power uh, through, through his resurrection. And he goes and he sits at the Father's right hand, one day waiting to come back and take all of his people home, dead and alive. So in whatever avenue with which you heard that message, that's, uh, that's great. And so today, it's not about pushing a particular avenue. I just want to open up one to you. And the next couple of weeks, I hope to share with you more, because what I would love to have is for our whole church to be equipped in lots of different ways, and you just find one that works for you. Some of you like sushi. Some of you hate sushi. Some of you hate the people who hate sushi. So... Uh, so there you go. So it doesn't really matter the avenue so long as the message is the same and it's pointing towards the good news of God. And here's the deal. Some of you, I don't want to presume anything. Some of you today might be here with a friend or some of you might have been at church for a while. Some of you might still be trying to figure stuff out. You've heard me preach a bunch and you're like, yeah, I like the message on, on marriage and I like the message on happiness and I like the message on that. But wow, it's great to see it all boiled down. Like this is what the point is of Christianity. And so I hope that maybe today if you're in this room and you say, man, I didn't fully understand the good news of the gospel of God. Maybe today it would be like, wow, it was just spelled out right there. That's what Christianity is. Do I want some? Do I want some of that? And so you can make that decision as well. So maybe you're there and you say, hey, that's what I'm in for. But here you go. God, our sin paying everyone life. The good news and the bad news. I um, was with, at Refresh, one of my mentors, Tom Elif, and uh, Tom said this this week, he said, you know what, the world's full of bad news and it's only getting worse because the people that, we, uh, that give us the news, they're now monetized for outrage. The people that we trust to just tell us what's going on are now incentivized by finances to give us outrage to make us come back. And when you have too much of that, when you have too much of the outrage culture, and you have a person saying, hey, they hate you, they hate you, hate them, hate them too, and you look up and you go, wow, everybody's mad. But what if God is love? And what if the message that he gave you was love others the way you love yourself, love others the way that I loved you, Point people to the God of love. And where you find disagreement, love them anyway. Love your enemies. You know, there's a lot of people that we back away from loving, and they're not even our enemy. But yet Jesus, you know what? I want you to go as far as to love your enemies. We back off of people if they disagree about which TV shows to watch. We back off of people about where they get their news. We back off of people based on who they voted for. We back off of people based on who they're loving. We back off of people for all kinds of reasons. And Jesus said, I want you to love your enemies. Most of us in this room, we don't have true enemies. We're not living in a society where we've got a real enemy. We wake up every day and we grab our sword and we're just like, wow, I got a man in the wall. But literally, Jesus was talking to people that were getting thrown to lions. And he's like, hey, you know what? I want you guys to love those people. You mean the people that are like like holding up our children and slicing their throats in the middle middle of the arena for sport? He said, love those people. That's a radical message, isn't it? But it's a radical message of love. 
If you're going to be called a heretic for something, love's not a bad reason. If you want to pick something to have people hate you, love's really not a bad place to land. But a lot of the stuff that we stand up for, I don't think Jesus would stand with us. And so we, we have to ask, am I trying to get God on my side? Or am I trying to get on God's team? Am I trying to get God on my team? Or am I trying to get on God's team? Which way is this working? Many of us, we act like we are God and we try to find ways to manipulate the word of God or the church of God or the people of God to get on our team. And we need to realize, no, 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 there is a good news that's already established, and it's not through you. And so since the good news is already there, my goal should be to jump on Team Jesus and figure out life from there. I don't get to make this stuff up. And if I did, none of you should show back up next week. That's dangerous. By the way, next week we're going to have Kool-Aid out in the lobby. Just grab one, tell you what to do when you come in. It's a joke, people. Relax. It's a joke. All right. Listen, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to talk fast, so you got to listen fast. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds and the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and all the creepy things that creeps on the earth. I love that line. The creepy thing that creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You'll see that there's different pronouns being used here. And so at the beginning, our, and then it's he. Why? The Christian theology is that God has revealed himself through Father, Son, Spirit. So there's this idea of a triune nature of God's revelation of himself in three ways. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so at the beginning, it's like, hey, let's make a man in our image. Why? Because God did not need us. He was a triune God all by himself. Father, Son, Spirit, hanging out, got along, never fought, never had drama. No drama in that trinity. You try that with two of your friends. And so the Trinity picture is that, that God said, you know what, we don't necessarily need anything. Some people say, hey, well, the reason that God made humans is that he, he, he needed companionship. No, no. And you think he would create you if he wanted companionship? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so here we go. First point of the gospel, God. God created us in his image to enjoy life with him forever. God, God created us to allow us to enjoy him, not so that he has to get something gained from us. He created us to enjoy him. If on the life in six words, it just simply says it this way. Um, God, God created us to be with him. That's how you're created. You're created. And so in uh, Genesis, you're going to find in Genesis 1, 2, 3, you go through and walk through, and you'll find out that God had eat, this place called Eden, created Adam and Eve. He told them, that, hey, I want you to go out there, and I want you to take dominion over everything. That's the creepy things that creeps. All of it. Like, hey, I want you to, to, to work the ground and work the, and, the land, and I'll just be with you. The scripture describes that there was um, God walking through the garden when they found out about uh, when they found sin, when the sin came about into the picture, that God was with them. And so this picture is, is that God, God's original plan, why is this important for your life today in 2019? Because you need to understand what God originally designed before there was any sin involved. Now that there's sin involved, it's really hard to see what did God want with me. What did God want with me is go back to Genesis. No sin. There was no evil. There was 
no tears. There was no pain and sadness and anger. It was you. It was God. And so God created us in his image to enjoy him. God created us in his image to enjoy life with him forever. Here's the thing. I'm, I want you to, the reason I like the gospel presentation, G-O-S-P-E-L, is that we're starting out of the place of health and happiness and good, goodness. Do you know how a lot of us, if we've tried to share our faith at all, which would, if you did that, you would be like in less than 5% of American Christians, which is pathetic. And it is, it, it's the reason that other faiths are growing, even though they don't have the truth of the gospel. They're growing because at least they're talking about what they believe. We're not even talking about the truth. So you'd be like in 5%. But then if you did share your faith, many times the way we teach people is to start out with, hey, um, you know you're a sinner? Like we just walk up to people in the mall. Like, hey, got a piece of paper. You're a sinner. It's like, dude, like, I don't know. What is it about me? Like, why did I get spotted out of all these people? And we just start right in on, you're screwed up. And then we're like, well, I took one for the Lord. He said I'd be persecuted just like Jesus. I'm persecuted just for love. No, you're not persecuted for loving Jesus. You're persecuted because you're a jerk. Like, that's why you're persecuted. People don't like jerks. Stop being a jerk. So, but, but, but God, it begins with saying, hey, did you know that, like, the world's messed up around us, isn't it? Yeah, the world's screwed up. Yeah, and you can, I don't care who you pick. Yeah, those people, they're really messed up, aren't they? Yeah, those Trump supporters, they're, oh, uh, uh. Hey, those, those people uh, with rainbow flags, oh, uh, what, I don't care where you begin. Number one, number, I, should, I do care, actually. I do care. My point is, is to find something in the world that the person, that you can agree with the person, it, it, it's broken. So I take that back. I totally care. It's not about people. It's about a position or a cause or a thought, whatever, that allows the person to go, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Things are broken. Or pick something that's completely neutral away from all that. Say, you know what? It, it, it's horrible what's happening in these wars. People are dying. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. Did you hear that, 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 that inner city Baltimore, we're, we're, we're going to approach over 300 people again this year that are murdered? Isn't that horrible? So when we think about it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's bad, but did you, here's what you do. Did you know that that's not what God designed? That's not really what God wants. And there's something in you that notices that's bad because there's a God inside that says there's something that's good that we should be looking for. And so God created us to be with him and enjoy him forever is where we begin Second, uh, I'm going to land the rest of the time in Ephesians 2, because you can walk through Ephesians 2 and do the rest of this. And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, everybody say all. All, that's so important you get that. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Our, our sins separate us from God. Our sins separate us from God. 
God created us to be with him and enjoy him forever, but it is our sin. In Ephesians 2, it says, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin. This is what you have to understand, is that the Christian theology is not like, hey, you, you made a boo-boo. Christian theology says that, you know what? All of us are sinners, all of us. You look up and down your row, and you shouldn't do this, but you can go, sinner, sinner, sinner. <laughs> like, we all fit that mold, every single one of us. I was... um talking to a, uh, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, secular deal, and um, so I'm not, I wasn't there as anybody's pastor, and I was having a conversation with um, this lady I'd gotten to know a couple of days, and she found out I was a pastor, and she was going through some stuff with her mom, and recently the lady had said, you know, um, I started to date women, and so she was like wanting to talk to me and she was telling me that her, like her mom started to cut her off and started to treat her nasty and she said, well, the reason I'm doing all this is that, you know, you're in sin. And I told this young woman, I said, I am so, so sorry. I said, because Christian theology is that I'm a sinner, and everybody in this room is a sinner, and Christian theology is, is that Jesus died for sinners, and I said, did you, next time you talk to mom, ask her, so mom, up until now, you thought I was perfect. You thought I was completely spotless. I was getting into heaven on my own merit. And we didn't have talks about my sin and the need for redemption up until the moment that it was a sin that you didn't like. So did you think I was getting into heaven up until we had that talk a few weeks ago? Because I explained to this person, I said, you know, the Christian theology is all of us are broken. And me picking the spot where you're broken and dancing on it doesn't make me more holy. It just makes me a jerk. And so we had that conversation, but it's so important that you understand that our sin separates us from God. I don't care which one. And in fact, we might not agree on if one is, but I'm sure we can agree on these other 2,000 sins. So we don't have, you and I really, to get through the gospel, I don't have to really agree with you on this particular one. But can we admit we're all sinners? Yes, we're all sinners. So let's continue. But God being rich in mercy, can you say mercy? Mercy, mercy, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. They go hand in hand, but they're very different. Grace is getting the good that I do not deserve. Mercy is not getting punishment that is owed to me. Mercy is I, 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 I ran a stoplight. They got me on video. I go to the court. The judge says, looking at the rest of your record, I'm going to let this one go. Probation before judgment. So you're out of here. You're in the clear. Just don't mess up. 
And so what we do is we say, you know what? That's mercy. I, I, I was owed that. My car's on video. I did the crime. I should do the time, but the judge was so nice to me. And so here's what you need to understand. Sin cannot be removed by your good deeds. Do you know how sin is removed? Sin is removed only by the mercy of God. It's not removed because I'm a preacher of a church. It's not removed because I walk people across the street. It's not removed because I write big fat checks. That's not what removes your sin. In fact, this is what caused the, the Martin Luther to have the, the, uh, the <laughs> I was going, oh, man, it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to get into a long thing. It's what caused Martin Luther to break away from the Catholic church was this idea of indulgences. There's this idea that you can make God happy doing all this other stuff. And so the Reformation came and all this stuff a couple hundred years ago. Sin cannot be removed by your good deeds. You have to trust in the mercy of God. And so as you're talking to someone through, God created us to be with him forever. Our sin separates us from God. It's on us, not on God. Sin cannot be removed by good works. There's not enough good things that you can do to make God pleased with you. In fact, there's a passage in Isaiah that's pretty pronounced where he says, you know what, when I try to lift up my good efforts, when I try to lift up my good works before God as a fragrance offering, it is like a menstrual rag being waved in the nose of God. God looks at our very best works apart from Jesus and says, how dare you act like that you are good enough to overcome the weight and the brokenness of the sin that my son died for. How dare you try to say that you can buy my son's blood? And so our best efforts to do good apart from Christ, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah tells us that no, mercy is what's needed. We go to God in humility. We go to God humble. We ask God for mercy. Mercy is given through Jesus Christ. But God being rich in mercy. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. It goes on. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, everyone say grace. grace. By grace you have been saved. By grace you are saved. So it's mercy that I go, Lord, I don't deserve this. I, I, I don't deserve it with my own works. It's your mercy that does it. And, and your grace gives us salvation. Not only do you withhold the consequences of my sin, but you actually give me a good thing above my sin. You give me grace. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Paying the price for your sin, Jesus died and rose again. Not only did God not hold your sin against you, but he sent his son Jesus to give you access to heaven forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. That God created you to be with him. Our sin separated us from God. Our sin can't be removed by our good works. So we need something outside of ourselves. We need someone outside of ourselves. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus came and died on the cross for you and for me. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. Anyone can die. The big deal is that second part, the resurrection. People can die for people all the time. People can, can uh, jump in front of a train and push someone out of the way, and they, they take the fall, they die. And, and we elevate, as we should properly, any hero that would be willing to die for another. 
The glory of the gospel is revealed in the fact that Jesus, when he died on the cross three days later, this is why we have Good Friday service that I told you about earlier, and this is why we have an Easter Sunday service, a resurrection service, because there's this three-day period in which the Bible declares that God um, had died to pay the penalty for your sin, that Jesus died to pay that penalty, to give you life. And so paying the price for your sin, Jesus died and he was risen again. And so Christianity is this idea that Jesus absorbed in himself. The scripture describes it as he became sin. He, having known no sin, became sin for you. Think about that. God perfect and pure and loving and caring, compassionate, healing people, looking at the, the, the woman in adultery and giving her forgiveness, looking at the woman that was to be stoned and gave her forgiveness, told the guys, get out of here. Don't you dare pick up a rock. That God, the scriptures say he became your sin and mine. That in the eyes of the father, the father said that there has to be justice. And there has to be payment. I'm I'm perfectly pure and righteous and holy. I I just can't let sin roll up into my house. And so there has to be a consequence. And Jesus voluntarily died on the cross to pay the consequence for all of that sin. Your sin and my sin. Jesus became sin. In that moment, as you'll read in a few weeks, if you're reading through the gospel story, it's in that moment where you hear, Aloy, Aloy, Alama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so you and I, we look and we say, you know what? This was the moment when God the Father and God the Son were separated. No time before in human history, no time since was God the Father and God the Son ever separated. But in the moment when my sin was being dealt with on the cross, the Father turned his back on his Son and said, no, you are sin." And it was in that moment that that the earth shook. It was in that moment that that the, the, the... Veil was torn from the top and the bottom in the temple. It was in that moment that everything changed. You and I have a date on the calendar, 2019, specifically because the church rose in that moment and said that's when Jesus died. And so all of human history was changed, centered around this event, the day that Jesus died. Ephesians 2 goes on and says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What was he doing? He raised us up. Through his death, he raised you up. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Everyone who trusts in Jesus has eternal life. Here's the beautiful thing I want you to understand about this. Eternal life isn't at the end of this conveyor belt. Eternal life begins the moment that you trust Christ as Savior. And when you look at this and you look at what, was, what Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, and raised us up with him and seated. Which tense is that? Past tense. It's done. This is why we're supposed to live as though our shackles have been set free. 
Some of you are living your life believing in Jesus, but you're living your life wondering if tomorrow you could screw this whole thing up. You're living your life on edge and your anxiety, and you're like, am I getting it right? Does God still love me? The scripture says that he raised you up. The moment you trusted in Christ, he raised you up. He moved your citizenship from this world into heaven. In that moment, you have an eternal home. So many times we focus on the future home. When we get there, I'm going to have a mansion one day. Guess what, bro? You got a mansion now. He raised you up, seated you at the right hand of the Father, place of honor, seated you already. He raised you up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. So it goes on, so that in the coming ages, why did he seat you up? Why did he set you up like that? Why did he give you new life by you trusting in him? Now listen, this isn't for everybody. It's everyone who trusts in him. For the people that trust in Jesus, why did he do this? It says this, he says that so that, say everybody say so that. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works so that no one can boast. I've met so many people inside of the church world who have no idea that that verse exists. Because every time I look on their Facebook, they're just boasting about how good they are in Jesus. It's like, no, you're missing the point. The point is, is that none of us have a right to boast. No preacher has a right to boast about who they are in Christ. No. In Christ, you can celebrate Christ. You could celebrate because of him. You could celebrate because of his work. But you cannot celebrate self. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your work, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why am I here? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should what? Walk in them. You know what my job, you know what your job after we've met Jesus, after we're seated up, after our heavenly home is secure? Our job, my job, your job, is to walk inside of the good works that God has laid out before us. That means checking in with God. God, what do you have for me today? God, here's the people in my life. God, here's the hurting. God, here's the resource I have in my hands. What do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with my coworkers? What do you want me to do with my family? What do you want me to do with my friend? God, what, how would you? I want to walk in your good works today. And so the Christian life is, is a continual line with God where you're checking in, communicating, always listening, always praying, seeking the Lord for every single day, and just doing whatever he asks you to do. And some of it will seem ridiculous and crazy. It'll be like, why, why'd you give that person that, that resource? Why did you help that person? Why did you not go to the movie you were going to go to because you heard your friend was crying, so you went over and you sat with her? Why did you do this stuff? Well, I did this stuff because my job is to walk in the good works that Jesus aligns for me in my day. And in my day, I'm constantly in tune with Jesus. And my faith is not a burden. My faith is not a guilt trip. My faith is not about me trying to please some earthly master. My faith is simply about talking to God and saying yes. 
And it is a joyful thing. The more that I say yes, the more rewarding experiences come my way where I can be a blessing. And since God is love and his desire is to love everybody and my opportunity is to listen to him and do the work that he prepared for me, here's how it works out. It works out that heaven comes down and works through my life to be loved to other people. And when I'm doing it right, Tolly Wilgus is not in the picture. Tolly Wilgus is not the first thing I'm thinking of. My benefit, my resource, my outcomes, my reputation, all of that goes to the side. Humility kicks in. Love of God kicks in. Love of what God loves kicks in. And all of a sudden, you look up and you see that you're a person tapped into heaven, loving on earth. That's Christianity. God, our sin, paying everyone life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Life with Jesus starts now and it lasts forever. I think one of the reasons that the American church is dying is we've created this idea that all of this stuff we do week after week is in preparation for when you're dead. I think people are like, well, there's a lot of other ways I could spend my time on a Sunday morning. And there's lots of other charities I could give to, and there's lots of other places I could be nice to people. If all this is just for when I'm dead, I think I'll pass. But what if this was the reason you came most alive? What if this was the way you became most alive? What if this was the way you became your true self? What if this was the way you went back to the beginning and it said that God created you to walk with him? And what if, when you fully understood the gospel, that you were actually living that out? And the world is not Eden, but maybe your patch of ground looks an awful lot like Eden. Because wherever you walk, you're saying, okay, Lord, what would you have for me? How would you like me to walk this out? And he says, well, I want you to do this for that person. I want you to love that person. I want you to give a kind word to the person who's angry because you don't know their story. You're not sure that this morning he found out that somebody stole his Sprint account and jacked up. I'm just kidding. A little too personal, right? God, our sin, paying everyone life. God created us to be with him. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by your good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died on the cross. Everyone who trusts in Jesus will have eternal life. Life that's eternal starts now and lasts forever. That's the good news of the gospel. Christianity is boiled down to the fact that sin is in the picture, but there was a better day before, and there'll be a better day to come. And Christianity says, I want to get in touch with the God who made me, loved me, sustains me, and gives me life. And Jesus humbled himself to be obedient to death. Surely I can humble myself to be obedient in this life. That's the gospel. Now, political powers and forces through human history have taken the message. You could read Plato's Republic and see. But political forces, one of the things that they do is they will take religion and fights within religion and parsing of stuff inside of a faith 
and they'll try to use it as target practice on the rest of the people. Because in order, if the goal is to get 50 plus one votes, then I've got to find a way to stack a group of people against another group of people. And I've got to drive a wedge between people. And I've got to create animus. And I've got to create hate. And I've got to create bigotry. And I've got to create anger. We as the church of the living God need to stand up in our own lives and say, enough. I'm not going to sensationalize anger. I'm not going to sensationalize a media that tries to pit my, my liberal friends against my conservative friends. I'm not going to come on board with somebody that's out to just take a bunch of money and misuse it. No, no, no. I'm going to walk with Jesus. Gospel. God, our sin, paying everyone life. Your job and my job is to go out and to give everybody as much life as possible. And the church is the place where we come to get equipped, fired up, and encouraged to go do that mission. And at the end of the day, what people should know about you above everything else is Jesus and him crucified. The fact that God died for you so you're willing to lay down your pride and your life for other people. And in that, they'll see a testimony and a story that they can't deny. And at the end result, it won't be that your name gets lifted up. It'll be the name that, of Jesus that gets lifted up. So maybe today you say, Pastor, I didn't know what the gospel was. I don't think I fully understood that that's what salvation was. I, I, I was confused about some things. I thought I had to go and I had to do sacraments and I had to have a church affirm me and all this. No, the scriptures are very clear. Romans 8, 9, and 10. Romans 10, 8 to 10. It's the same story. That anyone that would uh, believe that God, um, that Jesus came and died for you and God raised him from the dead will be saved. That's what the scripture says. So if you and I want a relationship with God, all we have to do is trust in what Jesus did. Everything else is extra. Everything else is besides the point. But all across this room, if you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I want to know for sure, for certain, forever that I have a relationship with God. How do I know? You admit that you're a sinner. You believe Christ died for that sin and you confess Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. The Bible declares that that alone is what saves you. Salvation by grace through faith. All of us in this room, the rest of us, we can say, you know what, Lord, this week I want to think about who I need to be sharing God's love with more. First through my actions, then through my mouth. But if I'm not thinking about it, and if I'm not understanding that that's part of my calling in life, then I just won't do it. I'll be seeking comfort like everybody else. But maybe this week you and I can say, you know what, it'll be different. I'm going to actively look for the people God wants me to love and be a blessing to. And if they ask, or if I get an opportunity, I'm going to let them know I'm loving them the way that Christ loved me. Simple as that. Let's pray.